Holy Spirit, you inspired the writing of these scriptures. Now we ask you to illumine our minds and quicken our hearts to receive your truth and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to all of you who are joining us online or worshiping in the 11 o'clock service. Your presence in worship is appreciated. Surely we all recognize the incredulity associated with fish stories. We've all heard and perhaps even told a few whoppers. For fun, you could check it out online. Bing, Google, Yahoo, whatever, fire up your search engine of choice and search fish stories or fishing tales. I did it this last week. I was swamped. So I had to narrow the search, and you could do this too. I tried this one, fish stories from the Bible. I got hundreds of links, scores of pages, even some that said, clean Christian fishing jokes. <laughs> but I'll spare you. It motivated me to look back over this past summer's sermon series titled, Encounters with Jesus. I took note that 11 of the 12 sermons were drawn from the Gospels, and not one was a fish story, unless you want to count what Rich Leatherberry did last week on the feeding of the 5,000. That's hardly a fish story. There were just two. So be forewarned. Today you have a preacher and a fish story. You're in double jeopardy. I delight in the way that the Gospels tell stories. Their narratives make Jesus so approachable. He's frequently surrounded by crowds, people asking all kinds of things from him. The authors supply the time and the place, often a little bit of descriptive detail, and then they begin to layer in the characters and finally the action. And as a reader, all I have to do is bring my sanctified imagination, and I'm right there in the story. You have one, don't you? An imagination, you can sanctify it when you give attention to the Bible. So over the next few minutes, let's unpack the story we read earlier. In it, we find Jesus along the northeastern shore of Lake Gennesaret. That's Luke's preferred name for what Matthew and Mark call the Sea of Galilee. It's the shoreline settlement of Kafar Nehum, meaning village of Nehum the Old Testament prophet, later called Capernaum, where Jesus made his headquarters for the Galilean ministry. If you read the two previous chapters in Luke, you'll discover more of what's happening in this ministry tour. And Matthew and Mark fill in much more detail. Now the story at hand. The crowds are pressing him at the water's edge, and Jesus spots a means of relief. So he steps into a fishing boat. Two boats were there, says Luke, and Jesus gets into the one owned by Simon, and he asks him to push out a little, which he does. And then Jesus sits down to teach. It's not his awareness of boat safety. Seated is the normal position for rabbis' teaching. Are you with me there now? The lake, the shore, the crowds. 
Jesus seated, talking to us from his aqua pulpit. Doesn't it beg a question? Luke, what did Jesus teach? Here I am. I'm on the shore. In fact, I've waded out just a few feet. I'm knee-deep. Tell me. Luke doesn't. But I believe what he would say if he knew about it is that you should attend the Bible plain and simple beginning (laughs) September 15th, right here in the sanctuary. In just two weeks, Scott Dudley and I will start this four-year in-depth study of the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. In fact, I can tell you right now that on February 9th, 2011, as we open the Synoptic Gospels, Scott will harmonize this story from Luke with Mark's account and give you insight into what Jesus taught. So you can read more about this new Bible initiative online or in the Messenger, and you can join us on Wednesday nights here or streaming beginning September 15th. Now, everybody, back to the boat. (laughs) What does Luke, why does he make us wait to hear more teaching from Jesus? because there's a fish story to tell. And we heard it. Finishing the teaching, Jesus tells Simon to put out into deep water. Now that requires oars, perhaps a sail. Nets are involved, really, really hard work. And furthermore, it's daytime, net repair time, rest time. And can you hear Simon? Master, We worked all night and caught nothing. I sympathize with Simon here. After all, he was born in the lakeside village of Bethsaida, means house of fish. He fished this lake all his life. He's a professional. He's supporting his family on this lake, the lowest freshwater lake in the whole world. 685 feet below sea level. It is harp-shaped, 13 miles long from north to south, and 8 miles wide at its widest point. And Simon knows every square mile of this lake. Jesus, why, he's the son of a construction worker and lives in Nazareth Heights. He's only been public around this lake for a few months. Why would Simon take fishing tips from Jesus? Well, obviously, there's some backstory here. Simon met Jesus a few months ago when his brother Andrew introduced them down in the Jordan Valley where John the Baptizer preaches. When they first met, Jesus gave Simon a familiar Aramaic name, Cephas. When translated to Greek, it's Petras. In English, Peter, rough equivalent to Rocky. And they had hiked together from, with some others for at least three days from Lower Jordan up to the wedding in Cana, where, at Jesus' direction, water turned to wine, a lot of wine. And Simon has seen Jesus work miracles of deliverance and healing in the local synagogue. Only a few days before, Simon's mother-in-law was healed at the touch of Jesus' hand. So there are some reasons why Simon, in spite of his doubts, says to Jesus on this bright spring morning, 
But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Verse 6 of the passage says, when they had done so, and we realize Simon isn't alone. His is not a private, secretive obedience contained only in his mind. His action is right out there. He's laying out his nets in broad daylight. It demands labor of his partners and his employees. Following Jesus' direction requires him to face the outcome in plain sight. What is he doing? What might people say? And this is the moment of the story I relish. The suspense is palpable. Don't miss this. A man is risking believing Jesus' word. Simon says, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets, and he does it. Can't you see it? The nets are filling with fish. Our boat is filling, uh, and our partner's boat is filling. We better let go of these nets or we'll sink. This is the fish story of all time. Someone could be thinking, right now we should offer Jesus a position in the fish company. Imagine fishing with a divine fish finder. <laughs> but what is Simon doing? Luke describes the moment. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Can you see Peter fallen at Jesus' knees? His realization? His aha moment? Awakened to the reality of his own desperate need, it's not the presence of the fish that arrests him, but the enormity of his personal sin in the presence of his Lord. Go away from me, for I'm sinful man, O oh Lord. My paraphrase, what are you doing in my boat? You who John the baptizer describes as the Lamb of God who carries away the sin of the world. In my boat? You, deliverer of the possessed, healer of the paralyzed. With me? In my boat? You, who must know the truth about me, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth about me, and yet you're in my boat? Peter is seized by the seeming incongruity of Jesus being there in the middle of his daily life and choosing to display his power. Peter thinks, I'm not worthy of your notice, let alone your favor. If this verse seems obscure or impenetrable to us, it's only because we've lost clear vision of ourselves and of Jesus. That is our Heavenly Father's desire for us, you know that we know ourselves honestly, and that we know his love for us displayed in Jesus. The most quoted verse in all the Bible is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, including you, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus 
shows up in our daily events to bring this truth back into focus. And when we look His way, yielding ourselves to His direction, the sheer magnitude of His presence continues a transforming work in our lives. Now, we veteran Christians, you know who I mean, those of us who have been in the way a long time can easily lose this focus. We fall into our Christian routines and sometimes grow weary and even bored with our walk with the Lord. As the chaplain at Jubilee Reach Center, I'm meeting people daily, people who come expressing their needs, some of them severe, even extreme. And I sit with them, and I listen to them, and I empathize. I try to encourage and, where possible, find resources that might make a difference. But because these ministry conversations happen several times weekly, it's very possible for me to slip into a routine. But then Jesus steps into my boat. Once he came with Juanita, not her real name, who seemed obviously distressed. It was Christmas season last year, and she had come to Jubilee Reach with her son to pick up some gifts that were supplied by Jubilee Elves. And she drew me aside and said in a quivering voice, Mr. Tom, can I talk to you? Of course, I said, leading her to a small room down the hall. I had been talking with her regularly for nearly a year by that time. Juanita said, you remember when I told you about the abuse? How I thought it was my fault? How I went on hoping each time would be the last time until finally I realized it wouldn't stop until I was dead, so I ran. You guys supported me, she said. You took my son in before school. You gave me a small short-term loan to help me bridge the gap. You helped me get my apartment, and you recommended me for my job, and things were really getting better. And then it hit me, the loneliness and the emptiness and I didn't know what to do. And a guy at work started talking to me, and it felt kind of good. And I, I tried to keep him away, but, but soon he was coming over. And, well, you already know. At public health, they said it was my choice. And I didn't know what to do. And I already have my son, and I can't even provide what he deserves. And I thought it was the best way out, but now I feel so guilty. It's like a crushing weight on me every day. Mr. Tom, what should I do? Juanita, I said, I can't tell you what you must do, but I can tell you what I do with the crushing weight of guilt I sometimes feel. I pray to my Father in heaven, he knows my heart, and only he can forgive my sin. Oh, Mr. Tom, she said, I don't know which prayer to say. I said, let's make one up. We can tell God what we really feel, and we can ask his forgiveness. I'll lead you. You can pray after me. We began an extemporaneous prayer. 
And Juanita repeated after me phrase by phrase. And as we finished and said, Amen, she looked up through her tears and said, Just like that, we were talking to God. Thank you, Mr. Tom. I believe God forgives me. And behind my eyes, now welling up in tears, my thought was, what are you doing in my boat? So regardless of who you are, your personality type or your roles or your circumstances of life or the wounds you've suffered or the pain you've afflicted on others, though all these things are real factors in your daily life experience, the fact remains that none of them, nor the sum of them, is sufficient to keep Jesus out of your life. The story we've read tells us Jesus wanted into Simon's life, and he wants his place in your life and my life as well. So what happens if you decide to take the story personally? Why, the fish story will become part of your story. Let's review it this way. Jesus doesn't enter your life only at your invitation. The initiatives are always His. He graciously pursues you. His Spirit sovereignly works behind the scenes, positioning your boat, your life, at the shore. And then at just the opportune moment, He boards your life, drawing you into His purpose and involving you in His self-revelation in the world. And eventually, Jesus always urges you to put out into the deep water. What a poignant metaphor. Why would anyone remain willingly in life's shallows, juvenilely splashing around in superficial relationships, in escapist materialism, in mere ego trips? Our truest longings are for the depths. In terms we understand at first pres, we long to make a deeper impact. And you know what? As the years pass, life will take you into deep water one way or another, so why not go just because He says so? When Jesus is on board, He overwhelms all our deficits and shows His supremacy. Those metaphorical fish just keep coming aboard. And Jesus isn't applying to be a partner in your enterprise. He's offering you a partnership in His. Still, we often raise objections, don't we? Commonly out of our fears. Like Simon, we may find Jesus' presence in our lives a form of holy terror, we fear, what, what may happen next? Does Jesus really know what's best for me? Am I safe with Him? Well, what if He's come into my life to be Lord? Must I surrender control? Of course, the Lord in your life wills to be the Lord of your life. That's what makes it safe and satisfying and exciting to join Him in His work in the world. Jesus' imperative to Simon is his affirmation to all of us as well. Don't be afraid. Translating the original language a little more literally, 
makes it even clearer. Stop going on being afraid. That is Jesus' direction to you and me. And if we follow it, we will live fear-free. Finally, and I love this, <laughs> Jesus didn't tell Simon he had to stop fishing. He said, from now on, you're going for some bigger fish. You'll net people. So this morning, ask yourself and answer, where is the deep water of my life experience and in my circle of influence these days? And go there, because with Jesus on board, deep water isn't for drowning, it's for fishing. You who are business owners, you moms at home, executives or managers or teachers or professionals, students, those who may be in transition, women, men, young, aged, everyone, no exceptions. There is something to learn from the fish story. Your life, like Simon's boat, can have Jesus on board. Don't stay ashore. Push out a little. Then put out into deep water and let down your nets. Lord Jesus, you've stepped into our lives. Now do what you will and fill our nets for your glory. Amen.